The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal, from the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. Welcome to Evangelical Life Ministry Radio. This is Engaging Truth. I'm Reverend Douglas Kringle, and today we are blessed to have as our guest, Reverend Dr. Christopher Kennedy. Welcome, Pastor Kennedy. Thank you very much for having me, Doug. I'm really honored to be on the show with you. It's a joy to be with you. While you have been on this program before, I understand, would you provide us a very brief introduction to yourself and your ministry? Sure. I've been here at Shepherd of the Hills Lutheran Church in San Antonio since 2008. Came as an associate pastor and was called a senior pastor in 2014. So I've been here for 14 years. Uh, married. My wife is Ashley. We've been married for 12 years and we have four children from ages nine through three. Uh, we have a school here. Uh, my children are a part of the school. And so it's a great community here at Shepherd of the Hills, and life here in San Antonio is good. What a blessing. Well, after 14 years as a pastor at Shepherd of the Hills and as a father, I believe, of four children, you have experienced various stresses yourself, I'm sure. However, in your book, Grace Under Pressure, you note that our communities are experiencing a crisis of stress. I think you put in the preface, excessive stress. How do you see this crisis of stress being worked out in our communities these days? Oh, you know, I was even thinking about the crisis of stress. It's probably been worse now than when I started writing the book uh, ever since COVID and the additional pressures that have been placed on people. So, you know, we see it in all kinds of ways. I think we see, you know, whether it's individual angry outbursts or, you know, just a lot of tension in our society over various issues. Um, you have depression and anxiety. You have people who are having to go to the doctor because of stress-related issues. And so I think you just see it in a very prevalent way throughout our society. There's statistics that will show uh, levels of stress rising across society, but I think all of us anecdotally can probably think of our own examples of, of where that stress level just seems to be uh, going higher and higher all the time. I know in your book you had an example of a car accident. Was that something that was you were an eyewitness to? Yeah, this was years ago. I was at a pretty busy intersection. I saw one car crash into another, and one of the people got out of the car just very shaken by the incident, and the other person just flew off the handle and was really letting her have it, and I thought, wow, there's there's some stress, and there's a very explosive response to stress. So we all deal with stress to one extent or another, but there are different ways we can respond to it, and to use the language of the book, you know, we can respond gracefully or ungracefully. And uh, I'm not one to judge someone else's response. Uh, I can judge my own responses. And I know that very often my responses are not what I would want them to be. 
And so it's something we want to get a handle on and by God's grace to manage the best that we can. In your book, you noted that it's not just us modern people that experience stress. You described in your book how Jesus himself endured pressure and stress throughout his ministry. I believe you referred to it as a pressure-packed ministry. Would you share with us a few examples of this pressure-packed ministry that Jesus lived through? Sure. So the Bible teaches us we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with us in our weakness. Jesus experienced all kinds of pressures in his life, whether it was the pressure of criticism He had a lot of people who were critical of him, whether it was the religious elite or even his own family members at times thought he was out of his mind. Uh, He had a a pressure to perform. People who were coming with him wanting a miracle, wanting him to have some kind of intervention for them. And so everybody was wanting something from him. Uh, He had pressures of people who uh, were frustrating. His disciples sometimes, you know, do you not understand? And they just weren't getting it. And that can be frustrating. Uh, He had physical danger that was stressful. People were trying to take his life and uh, eventually did. And uh, so Jesus dealt with all kinds of stresses, just as we too, and then even more so because of the unique position he was in as the son of God in the flesh. A good portion of your book, Grace Under Pressure, describes how Jesus responded to extreme pressure while suffering on the cross, and he spoke a few brief phrases, or maybe we could describe them as words. What did these phrases or words from Jesus on the cross teach us about being graceful? Yeah, they teach us a lot. In just these short statements that he spoke from the cross, we learn so much. And we see that Jesus was carrying the greatest pressure anyone has ever faced. Just think about the cross for a moment. You know, he had the physical pain he was dealing with, which, you know, we can't even imagine what that was like. The cross, one of the cruelest torture devices ever conceived. He was facing verbal abuse, public humiliation, and then on top of that, bearing the sins of the world. I don't know what that feels like, but I know sometimes the weight of my own sins is overwhelming. He was taking all the sins of the world upon himself. So, pressure like we can't even imagine. And then the grace that he showed throughout that, uh, you take out of the seven statements, the first three, you know, Father, forgive them. He's forgiving his enemies. Uh, He's promising paradise to a thief who is crucified next to him. Um, He's um, giving his mother Mary and John to one another to take care of each other. So he's thinking of other people while he's in pain, when we're in pain, we're usually not thinking about other people. We're just thinking about ourselves. That's all we can focus on. And so just in those first three words, we see incredible grace. And then the fourth and the fifth words, I believe, magnify the pain he was in. You know, why have you forsaken me? He said to the father and I thirst. And then the last two words, uh, it is finished. And into your hands I commit my spirit. We see a graceful ending as he exited this world in a a very graceful way. I know that you mentioned in one of the questions, there's a very helpful questions at the end of each chapter in the book. And you ask this question. So I'm 
turning the book back on yourself. I'm asking you your own question here. And the question was, what do you make of the fact that Mary was standing at the cross? What would you say, doctor? Well, I, I found that to be one of the details that really stood out to me. I, just, I love when there's a word in the scripture that just, it's a whole message in itself. And, and it happens so often as we study the Bible. In this case, the fact she was standing there, so she could have been crumbled to the ground in agony. But that little word that she was standing there at the foot of the cross reminded me of uh, the, the teachings of the Armor of God passage. Uh, talks about taking our stand against the devil and his schemes. You know, when, when you've done all this to stand firm. And so in that standing, there's an image of strength and perseverance and uh, the way that God was holding her up in the midst of the deepest agony of her life. Hmm. You also noted the thirst, the fifth statement of Jesus from the cross, I thirst. And in your book, Grace Under Pressure, you noted a term spiritually hydrated. And you asked, how can you tell that you're staying spiritually hydrated. Here I am in Tomball, Texas. There you are in San Antonio, Texas. It's 101 degrees outside today. Hydration is definitely something we need to talk about. But what is this uh, spiritually hydrated referring to? Yeah, it's funny. You, you brought that one up probably 15 minutes before we started this call. I was talking to a church member who couldn't make it this past weekend because she was not feeling well, probably dehydrated. So mm. It's, a, it's an issue right now for us in this heat. Spiritually dehydrated. So dehydration is something that sneaks up on us. Uh, you know, you're not feeling well and it's, oh, well, I guess I haven't been drinking water all day. And so that's why I'm all of a sudden not feeling well. Uh, so spiritually, what does that look like? It might be, you know, I'm, I'm more irritable. Um, I'm just really dragging. I'm very unhappy. And how did I even get to this point? Well, I've been neglecting my soul the whole time. Haven't been in the word, haven't been in prayer. I've been so busy with life, so consumed with my own to-do list, my own problems. So I think of it as you know, a spiritual struggle that just sneaks up on us, like dehydration can just sort of sneak up on us. So let's go back to the modern day. We started there. Let's go back there modern-day stresses and pressures. How does the way Jesus faced stresses 2,000 years ago affect how we live our lives today? You mentioned the car crash scene earlier. You even, in the book, give a definition of what ungraceful behavior is and a definition of what grace is. Would these be of help to us today? Very much so. Uh, a lot has changed over time, but a lot remains the same. The human condition is still the same. We're sinful people. We're broken people living in a broken world. And yet to be able to show grace uh, is to rise above your circumstances, to maintain your values, to treat people with kindness, even when they don't treat you with kindness. Uh, not to return hate for hate, but to love your enemies, to pray for those who persecute you. Uh, so many things about the human condition and then our responses to stress 
Uh, it doesn't change over time. The world looks a little different, uh, but some of these basic things are are universal. Uh, they uh, grace looks a certain way back in the time of Jesus and in the Bible times, and looks a little different today. But the basic components are still there. It's the same Lord Jesus Christ that died on the cross that's with us today. Same risen Christ Jesus who's helping us stay spiritually hydrated in our day. I was interested in one of the questions you put forward in the book, and I'm not sure what the answer to this is, but maybe you could help me. The question, what is your reaction to Mother Teresa's, quote, dark letters, unquote? And Mother Teresa is this person who's this iconic figure of faith and to know that she had periods of struggle in her own life where she was really questioning some things about her faith and she just felt this darkness inside of her. There's these letters that were uncovered that reveal that about her. And and so to know that a person who, for many people, a hero of faith had some deep, dark struggles, I think it says to us that, you know what, if I have some real struggles it's not all that unusual. It happens to people. It happens to even people who are admired for their faith. And yet with us in those struggles, doesn't mean that God has gone anywhere. He's still right there with us. He never forsakes us. He never leaves us. And so uh, we can be reminded of that truth that no matter how we feel, God is still faithful. He's still constant with us. So even Mother Teresa would have stress and pressure I know Jesus, as you mentioned earlier, had stress and pressures. And one scene that you mentioned that really showed him under great stress was the scene of him cleansing the temple. Yeah. Could you comment on that that scenario, that pericope? Yeah. I really enjoyed digging into that story and wrestling with the question, did Jesus ever lose his cool? Was Jesus ever ungraceful? And then we look at that story and we see, well, no, every part of it was very purposeful. First of all, he had the right to cleanse the temple. It was his house. Uh, It was his father's house. And so, you know, Jesus can walk in a temple and do different things than you or I could do because of who he was. But even the things that people were hearing him say, it was all bearing witness to who he was. And uh, we see that, that as people were seeing, you know, his place in all of that and his ownership of the temple, that it was communicating a very powerful message about his authority um, and that Jesus was setting things right. So he had a, a positive stress response and that it was for a loving reason that he was doing what he was doing there uh, at the temple that day. Related to the Father and the Son is the Holy Spirit. And why do we need the Holy Spirit's help when it comes to to living gracefully? What does he do that we can't do for our own selves? By nature, we're sinful. And so my reaction to stress is is going to be my sinful nature colliding with those stressful circumstances, and it's just not going to go well. So we need the gracious intervention of someone who Uh, is stronger than we are, who is able to strengthen us for those moments. And so God's Spirit gives to us that sanctifying grace, that sustaining grace uh, to help us to overcome those moments. Uh, When we are weak, He is strong. And so the Spirit of God then empowers us 
toward a better response, a better response than we would have left to our own devices. Well, with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one triune God intervening for us, seeking our well-being, we have forgiveness and we have reconciliation. And in your book, Grace Under Pressure, Responding Faithfully to Stress, you see these two things as distinct. Could you tell me more about that? Okay. Can you repeat the two things that are distinct? Forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness and reconciliation. So reconciliation takes two people. Forgiveness only takes one. So I can forgive someone from my heart, even if we never have that opportunity to be reconciled to one another. Even if we never see each other again, I don't have to say, well, I guess things will never be right in my heart because I didn't have this sit down conversation where we make up and we hug and things are good between us. That's not required. Having said that, how wonderful it is when people are reconciled, when forgiveness is exchanged, when apologies are accepted, when grace is shown between two people, how beautiful that is. Forgiveness in itself frees us from that burden of resentment and bitterness. Reconciliation to people, forgiving one another, is one of the greatest beauties in this world. In your book, you reference a specific application about grace to leaders. It has been said that good leaders, you write, keep their heads when everyone else is losing theirs. How might you keep your head when others are stressed? You are a senior pastor for some years there at Shepherd of the Hills Lutheran Church. I'm sure this is a circumstance for you personally, but also for others who are up in, in leadership positions of some sort, either at their church or work or family. How would what you're talking about in today's book, uh, Grace Under Pressure, how would that apply to leaders? Well, there's probably a whole book to be written on that, and there probably have been books written on that, but just some thoughts off the top of my head. One is to not react in the moment, to count to 10, count to 100, whatever number you need to get to, uh, so that you're not reacting out of the stress, but so that you're reacting out of a more composed place in your heart and mind. Um, also, to give people the benefit of the doubt and uh, assume the best about them. And also to think about how can I respond constructively rather than just being reactive. You know, how could the stress I'm in right now, okay, is there a teaching moment where instead of coming across very harshly towards someone, well, how, how do I use this moment in their best interest? How do I guide them? How do they show them a better part of me? And so I think that that mindfulness and being aware of God's presence and his desire for how we respond to situations, keeping faith in the forefront, I think those are some things that we can keep in mind in those stressful moments to keep our head. Here during this COVID era, I think a lot of leaders have had some pressure and stress We were asked in the book to describe a time when we wanted to quit something mm. and what made someone quit, what was the outcome of them quitting. Those are, those are real feelings that leaders have. How would grace under pressure 
the book, help leaders who feel like quitting? Hmm. That question comes out of the Jesus sixth word, it is finished, which was not a, I'm throwing in a towel, I'm giving up, but uh, a, a shout of triumph. You know, I made it to the finish line. I accomplished what needed to be done. And so there are times when we feel like quitting. Uh, we have a Savior who persevered all the way through to the end for us. And he certainly is the example and the strength that we have to press on. The Bible talks a lot about perseverance, talks about pressing on toward the prize. And so uh, we can remember that God gives us the strength that we need to press on, that I'm not doing it by myself, and that there is the spirit within me that empowers me to keep going. And especially if it's a worthy goal. In some things, it's like, well, I guess it's not worth all the trouble that I'm putting into it. Sometimes you just have to know, you know, when to back out of something. There are those moments. But if what you're pursuing is worthy, if it's a good thing, then you keep going. Uh, as some mentors of mine have said, stay in the fight. You know, even when it's tough, keep going. Stay the course. Um, and in the end, it's so rewarding. If you know that you didn't give up, you didn't back out, but you push through to the end, you grow as a person. And there's such a feeling of gratification when you push through adversity and accomplish something. Well, in today's culture, with social media and all kinds of various platforms, the idea of having pressure sometimes comes out as verbal abuse. You note in the book, you feel like verbal abuse is on the rise. How could we apply the learnings of the Bible and the cross and the book, Grace Under Pressure, how can we apply those to that environment, that virtual environment? Well, you know, you talked earlier about how can these things in the Bible apply to today's context? This is something that's very different about today's context. I mean, back in Bible times, no one was going to fire off an email or, you know, Facebook message or a, a, a tweet just in the heat of the moment. It's a very different thing. Uh, however, you know, people could throw out words at that time, and those words would still stick in people's minds. And so how can we apply those lessons in, in today's digital age? Uh, I think, you know, again, those universal things like patience, being kind to others, even when they're not kind to us, um, speaking the truth in love. That's been a big concept that I've really been given a lot of thought to. Uh, Jesus, the Bible tells us, was full of grace and truth, so we can be truthful, but to do so in a graceful way, uh, perhaps the word diplomatic uh, can communicate some of what I'm thinking, but it's more than diplomatic. It's, it's a God-centered, others-centered way of communicating what's best for the other person, how would God want me to speak, to write, and uh, again, keep those in the center of our thoughts and not just to be reactive, uh, just impulsive, but to be very thoughtful. Well, Dr. Kennedy, thank you so much for being with us on Engaging Truth. We have under a minute left. Would you give us a brief departing prayer? I'd be honored to. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace in our lives that you place your spirit within us so that we can trust in Jesus and so that with your help, we can persevere through all kinds of stresses and pressures. I pray especially for 
those who are listening to this interview who are feeling a lot of stress right now, would you please strengthen them, uphold them, and help them to press on? We pray, Lord, for all of us that you would give us uh, that awareness of your presence and that desire to do your will. Thank you for the cross of Christ and for all that it means for us, especially forgiveness and salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Kennedy. Amen. God's richest blessings be with you, friends. And please join us again here on this radio station on Sunday night. God's peace. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org, or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.